What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Arnie's. We are three Iron Man wannabes hoping to make sense of the DC universe this time around. I'm Matt Johnson, and Susan Sarandon has reached an all-time low. <laughs> I'm Keith Baker, and I want Uncle Rudy and I to drive our tacos together. And I'm Austin Terry, and I never would have thought George Lopez would be in the superhero universe. But thank God, if you ask me. On today's show, we're returning to the DC universe, but we don't know if this is the DC Extended Universe or the new James Gunn DC universe. It's all really confusing, but honestly, who cares? Today, we're talking about Blue Beetle. An alien scarab chooses college graduate Jaime Reyes to be its symbiotic host, bestowing the teenager with a suit of armor that's capable of extraordinary and unpredictable powers, forever changing his destiny as he becomes the superhero known as Blue Beetle. All right, guys. Well, I'm super excited. Let's get into this. Austin and Keith, I just want to know, did you care about this movie or this project going in? And of course, let us know your non-spoiler thoughts on Blue Beetle. Austin, I got to start with you because I know, or at least I, I assume, you're coming a bit hot today. Yeah, I cared a lot about this movie when it was first announced. Um, I'm a big Blue Beetle fan. I think he's a really interesting character. I particularly love the Jaime Reyes version of the character. So I was excited that this superhero was coming to the big screen. Um, and then I saw footage and I saw more trailers and more trailers. And then the DCEU did a reset and my interest and level of caring about this movie significantly dropped. Um, I was expecting it to be pretty terrible and just jumping right into it. I would say it's the same level of quality as Black Adam. So if you like Black Adam, you'll probably like Blue Beetle. Uh, I personally did not like Black Adam, so I did not like this movie. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I did think Zola Mayor Duena was great in the role, um, and that's probably the only positive I can give to the movie. The story they chose to tell around Jaime Reyes I found particularly baffling. The way they use the Scarab in the Blue Beetle suit is really disappointing to me. Um, the Scarab really should be its own character, and it kind of just feels like a piece of technology in this movie. The villains I could have given two shits about. Um, this movie feels like something that would have come out in 2001 and probably been a hit, just like Black Adam. But we're so far into the, su the superhero universes now that this story didn't do anything new to me. Um, so yeah, pretty big letdown for me. Really could care less. It's losing money at the box office. We need a hard <laughs> reset of this entire universe. Wait, so Austin, you're saying that so let, let's just think, if Blue Beetle had come out in 2001, are you saying that this would have been the worst thing to happen in 2001? Yeah, th there would have been two main things I look back on and remember <laughs> at all times where I was. It would have been where I was when the Twin Towers went down and where I was when I saw Blue Beetle. Wow, interesting. <laughs> That's the perfect transition. Keith, how, how did you like Blue Beetle? Yeah, I mean, I guess my uh, expectations were close to none. I, I think I only saw one trailer, but I was excited to see... Uh, Xolo, because I love him in Cobra Kai. I don't know anything about Blue Beetle. Uh, I never even, I don't think I've ever even heard of the comics or his character from the DC universe. Um, so I had no idea what to, what to expect. Um, but going into it, I had a good time. Um, it's definitely not going to be one of my highlights in the DC universe, whether it's the old one or the new one that's starting up. But um, as far as just a movie in a story contained on its own, overall, I think it was fun. The action was okay. Nothing, nothing out of this world. The family aspect of it was, was really sweet and funny. Yeah, overall, I think I just had a fun time. That's the best way I can put it. I, I didn't blow me out of the water by any means, uh, but I wasn't let down by it either. I just, it was a good, fun two hours. So that's where I'm at. Yeah, I, I was really excited as well, like Austin mentioned, going into this. I'm a big fan of the Blue Beetle character. And like Austin, when I say that, I'm mainly talking about the Jaime Reyes version, I feel like that's kind of the one to watch. That's really the interesting one. I don't think Dan Garrett or Ted Cord are really that interesting. 
Uh, but Jaime Reyes is great. Um, I particularly love the Young Justice version of the character. So I was just excited that we were getting a movie. It was going to be something different. I wanted. I was excited about like the Latin American like you know representation that we would be getting because it's like oh that'll be interesting, kind of like a family focused thing. Let's do that. Um, and I think ultimately. I kind of come down more on Keith's side where I was like, I had a good time. I thought it was fun. I don't think it's a very good movie, but I, I, don't, I definitely don't think it's bad. And there wasn't anything that was like particularly offensive or super boring or anything. I definitely have some issues with it. I think the visuals are kind of strange here and there. It doesn't look great. I think it's kind of telling the movie was originally going to be an HBO Max exclusive. And then they were like, Oh, let's actually put it out in theaters. And you can kind of tell that maybe this was like a lower budget movie originally. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I just had a good time. I love the family aspect. I thought Cholo was like really great. And I am excited to like hear it sounds like that regardless of what changes are going on at DC and whether or not you like this movie, it sounds like they will be bringing him back as Blue Beetle in the future, which is exciting because I thought he was really good. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean. It's very tropey. It's very cliche. The villains are like literal garbage. It's like, guys, it's 2023. Can can we can we give a villain like anything interesting to do? And the answer is no in Blue Beetle. <laughs> um, but I enjoyed it. And maybe it was because I just had heard like some negativity going in. Not not from Austin specifically, just like, you know, like general sentiment. But then I went and I was like, that was fun. So maybe it's like a matter of like I had low expectations and I ended up enjoying it. I don't know. It's not great, but I actually would recommend it. I had a nice time in the theater. I thought it was fun. I have two big issues with the movie. The one is really the use of the scarab. It really let me down. Um, it's just not a compelling... It should be its own character, and it's it's really not in this movie. Um, and the other thing is, I know we don't need everything to be super connected, but this story is almost like too far on the self-contained level to me, where there's like literally no impact from this story. It just kind of felt pointless and a waste of time. So... I really could have cared less about the villains and like the central plot line of this story. Yeah, it's interesting. When it comes to being connected, like the one thing I like is that this isn't a flash scenario where it's like the main villain of that, I guess, is like some version of Zod that we've seen before. I like this one does stand on its own, if only because that means we can kind of fold aspects of this into James Gunn's version going forward. Like if, you know, they were talking about like, the Henry Cavill Superman or the Ben Affleck Batman, then it, maybe it would have been weirder later. So maybe in the future, this will be a blessing that this one kind of stands on its own. That being said, kind of removing that and just thinking about this is technically supposed to be part of like the larger DC universe. You are right. It's like, OK, I mean, this really doesn't connect at all. So, yeah, I can I can understand. Like, is it too self-contained? I don't know. But I think in the in the long run, we'll be happy that it was. And you guys both called out like the family involvement and things like that. I thought all those characters were fine. Um, they were kind of borderline annoying for me. I just every time they were on screen, I was like, particularly Rudy. Like I've never been a George Lopez guy, and so he, I found him like, like genuinely grating in this movie. Like anytime he was on screen, I was like, oh my god, can we do anything else with this character or this time <laughs> in the movie? How dare you, Austin? No, <laughs> Rudy was one of my favorite characters in this movie. <laughs> oh, I thought he was, was hilarious. <laughs> I do. I mean, I do hear you that. I mean, of course, the family does get grating at times. I do think that was intentional um, in terms of like what he's going through and all that. But yeah, this is kind of the perfect segue into spoiler territory because Keith and I are going to be on the pro George Lopez side of things. And Austin is clearly going to be all by his lonesome <laughs> and the con side of it, which I can't co-sign. But anyway, everybody out there, uh, we have some varying opinions on Blue Beetle. Uh, it sounds like Keith and I would recommend you go see it. It's a fun time in the theater. Could you wait for it to come out on streaming? I think absolutely. You'll still have a good time. 
Austin, what's your stance? Is there any reason to see this one in the theater for you or just wait or not see it at all? There's no reason to see this at all. I would say instead, <laughs> go watch Young Justice and read some Blue Beetle comics. Okay, well, I mean, I agree with that point at least. Uh, that last point there. But all right, everyone. So there you go. Those are our non-spoiler thoughts. I don't think there's too much else to talk about without spoiling anything. So go see Blue Beetle uh, and then come on back and listen to the rest of our thoughts. Or as always, you guys know, lately I've been trying to decipher, should people go see a movie or not before they listen to the rest? I do think regardless of the fact that some of us like Blue Beetle and some of us didn't, you can just eh, not go see it and keep listening because there's not a any crazy spoilers <laughs> you're not your experience won't be ruined by knowing what happens so let's go ahead and get into it guys let's get into the spoilers i will see you in a sec all right everybody welcome to spoiler territory for blue beetle austin and keith as always let's start off with some cast and crew talk all right, so Blue Beetle is directed by Angel Manuel Soto, who's a Puerto Rican director uh, most well-known for Charm City Kings. This is actually his first big-budget film. It's written by Gareth Donat Alcacer. Our score for the film is composed by Bobby Krillick, and of course, based on the Jaime Reyes versions of Blue Beetle, created in 2006 by Keith Giffen, John Rogers, and Coley Hammer. All right, and going to our cast, we got Zolo Maraduena as Jaime Reyes, Blue Beetle, Bruno Marquezine as Jenny Cord. Alyssa Escobedo as Milago Reyes, Raul Max Trujillo as Kyra Pax, Damian Alcazar as Alberto Reyes, Elpidia Cardio as Rocio Reyes, Adriana Barraza as Nana, Becky G as Kazda, the Scarab, and we got Susan Sarandon as Victoria Cord, and my man, George Lopez's Uncle Rudy. <laughs> All right, guys, there's a the cast and crew. Any positives, any negatives, what do we got? Yeah, I'm going to give a big fat negative no! um, to the writing, particularly oh. of the movie. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was going to George. I got scared. Mainly just with particularly how they wrote the Scarab. I've, I've harped on it in kind of our non-spoiler section, but the Scarab is literally an, an artificial intelligence in this movie. There's no sense that it's its own being. There's no sense that it belongs to this other alien, re alien race called the Reach. There's no sense of any of its motives. It's basically a tool that Jaime uses. There's no like great banter back and forth between the two. Uh, everything about the Scarab was particularly disappointing to me, and it's so important to the Blue Beetle character that it was a huge letdown in the movie for me. Yeah, I can agree with some of that. Because I didn't know anything about Blue Beetle going into this, I was definitely confused about how it worked. It felt like more like a Jarvis than it did exactly. like an actual host. Yeah, it's basically the Iron Man suit. But then whenever you're going through the, the, the whole science aspect uh, throughout the movie, it's like it's got itself in all of his cells throughout his body. It was like, okay, then why are they giving it this robotic voice? And yeah, I don't know. It didn't feel as symbiotic as they would, as they kept saying, um, or as it they made it out to be. So I'll, I'll definitely kind of side with your negative on that. Um, my shout out... I guess I'll... I'm just going to go with George Lopez. Easy one. Hell yeah. <laughs> it's Uncle Rudy. Also, <laughs> you didn't like him, but I thought... I thought he really brought the life to this role, and I thought he was hilarious in almost every scene he was in. Yeah, there's definitely some ridiculous moments. We'll get to those. Um, but overall, I thought he was really funny and a good good sidekick uh, for Jaime. I hope he doesn't return in James Gunn's DC. How dare you? How dare you? He should be the main <laughs> character in James Gunn's version, if you ask me. Uh, I was telling Keith last night, and we had a good laugh about it, but like, no joke... The moment where Uncle Rudy realizes that uh, Jaime has like left and taken his car, 
and he like the physical acting of him passing out and hitting the bookshelf is like the hardest I've laughed. <laughs> I don't even know how I laughed so hard. <laughs> he just ba- it looks like he dies. He's like he took my car and then faints. <laughs> so good, but uh, you know, speaking of high man, I mean, it's the easy one. I'm going to take it. I thought Sholo was a just a great lead. He's not just great in the movie, but. He's a great actor. I've loved him since Parenthood. And then you see him in Cobra Kai. I mean, he's great. He he just has, I don't know. He's a young guy, but he has great charisma. Uh, I love watching him on screen and like watching him come into like a bigger budget movie. I mean, he he held it together, you know? Like, I mean, if the guy that plays Blue Beetle sucks and like, I don't know, it's just kind of lame, then that's going to make this movie even worse. Like I already said, I enjoyed the movie, but I'm not saying it's a great. I just had a fun time with it. If anybody else had been in this role, I really do think the opinion dropped significantly. I thought he was, he really held it together. He did a great job. And I, like I already said in the non-spoiler, I, despite my thoughts on this movie, even though I enjoyed it, it's like, I'm so glad that it sounds like he's coming back um, in like some new version. It's, it sounds like Blue Beetle will carry over. Will they reference this movie? I don't know. Does it really matter? Who cares? I'm just glad that James Gunn clearly, I think, sees what, you know, he's doing. So I thought he was great in the movie. Yeah, I do agree with that. I did think he was very charming, very engaging, great lead. I I am also happy he's continuing on. I hope he gets a better story in the future for this character. Um, And then the other positive I'll give is I I did enjoy his relationship with Milagro. I thought they had a great dynamic together and they were she was a really fun character. So if she carried on, that wouldn't be upset about that. Yeah, the brother sister dynamic I thought was really sweet in particular. So, you know what all three of us think of Blue Beetle, but what is everyone else saying, guys? So, Blue Beetle received positive reviews and currently has a 76% on Rotten Tomatoes. The site's critical consensus is, led by Sholo Maraduena's magnetic performance in the title role, Blue Beetle is a refreshingly family-focused superhero movie with plenty of humor and heart. On the other hand, the tropey nature, visuals, and third act did receive criticism. The movie cost $104 million to make. It has made $25.4 million so far, uh, with more of the opening weekend still to go. But this probably does mean that the movie needs to make around $210 million just to break even, and I don't think that's going to happen based on what we're seeing so far. Kind of continuing the unfortunate trend this year that the DCEU is having of losing money at the box office with Shazam 2 and The Flash. Um, luckily, though, this one is not as fucked as The Flash, which they just announced this week lost almost $300 million for the studio. <laughs> so this is a much uh, lower budget movie in comparison. Um, it cost one third of the flash. So I think we're, we're in okay hands. I don't think it's going to make the money back, but at least it's not going to lose the studio crazy money or anything. I wonder if they regret tying themselves to Ezra Miller so hard. Maybe they should have cut bait yep. and uh, gone with a different star. <laughs> Probably. Um, this movie costing over $100 million is also pretty insane to me. I mean, we talked about Talk to Me last week. Yeah. cost $4 million and looks insanely better than this movie does. So what did they spend their money on? Was it I, just George Lopez's salary? How Austin, how dare you? George Lopez would never be so bold to take that money, although he probably did. <laughs> but um, <laughs> it is a good question. And I was thinking about talk to me uh, in relation to this, because it's like, yeah, this one cost $100 million. I think the Blue Beetle suit looks genuinely like fucking awesome. But pretty much any other visual effect. I feel like using the word cheap sucks. I know all these like artists are like rushed to make this happen, but it doesn't look good. And it costs like a hundred million dollars. So it's like, yeah, I'm kind of with you. Like, where did the money go? It didn't look great or anything. They had a lot of time. Like they've been working on this. It's not like this was a rushed Marvel movie. Like they've been this has been in production for two years. So this they really should have been buttoned up on the visuals. So I guess it kind of uh, brings us back to COVID times for a sec, Austin, uh, as someone that was the the least hot on the movie. Do you think if this had maintained the original strategy of being an HBO Max, like straight to release, 
does that make you like it more? Do you think it kind of suits that? Do you care about the visuals much in that sense? Like, I guess I'm asking, do you think this should have gone to HBO Max and would you have liked it if it had? I don't think so, because the visuals aren't what's driving my dislike of the movie. The general story is why I don't like the movie. And that's not going to change regardless if it's on my TV or in the big screen. Yeah. And I think that's kind of good to know for people going in. I don't I don't I ultimately don't think it would have mattered where it had gone. All right, guys, let's go ahead and get into it. Let's get a little bit deeper. It's time for our roundtable discussion, the main part of our show where each of us brings a point or two that we want to kind of uh, spend more time on. So, guys, where should we start today? So we touched on Jaime a lot uh, in our cast and crew section. It sounds like we're all pretty positive on Zola's performance and also his portrayal of the character. I do want to pull in the scarab into that conversation. I've shared my views on how it's used in this movie. Um, Matt, I particularly want to know, since you're a Blue Beetle fan, what were your thoughts on the Scarab um, and the relationship with Jaime and then Botho as its own character as well? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I think thinking about it as a fan of Blue Beetle uh, in other media, I think it is lacking for sure. Trying to look at it as it's how like how it's used in just this movie, kind of removing myself from that. I think it's okay. It's not great. It's not super interesting. I don't think it's bad. I do like kind of how they do come together at the end. Like it's almost like the scarab kind of gets on board the whole like we got to save the family no matter the cost or whatever. And I loved when they were like kind of speaking to each other at the end. I thought that was fun. Um, But yeah, there's not a lot there. I think the most disappointing thing that I regardless if I was a fan or not, and I'm curious on your guys's like specific position on this. The thing that really sucked to me is in this movie, they had opportunities to kind of. I don't know, maybe build on this or evolve it. And they really didn't. It just feels like the entire time, even when Jaime is like not in control versus when he is, it doesn't feel like he's really doing anything. It's just like the scarab falls on this guy, right? So he has this power. Now he can use this suit. But it never feels like he's in control of what he's doing. Like, yeah, in like the third act at the end, he's like, give me blasters, give me blades. But it's like, He's not doing anything in there. It, it just the entire movie. It just feels like the scarab is doing everything. And I think at times the choreography looked kind of cool. I liked how like he moves in the suit. Like there were some really great moments, but it just never feels like Jaime is doing anything, which is unfortunate since he's our protagonist. And it's like, I don't know how you solve that. Like, I'm not saying like he should be like a martial arts expert or something, but it just never feels like he's doing anything. Even Iron Man, like in his suit that people are comparing it to, like, I mean, he is in control of what he's doing in this one. It's definitely less so, which is kind of disappointing, especially once you get towards the end where all this crazy shit's happening. It's like, eh, he's not really doing much. He's just saying, give me a blaster, give me a gun. And then it feels like the Scarab's kind of doing all the rest. And Keith, I'll pull you into this now, too, as someone who's not a Blue Beetle fan. The really kind of interesting and scary thing about the Blue Beetle character is the Scarab is this piece of alien technology that comes from a different alien race, and it has its own agenda. And it's now fused to your body. It's in your cells. It can knock you out unconscious and take control of your body and go and do stuff without you knowing about it. There is this like really kind of scary dynamic that both Jaime and the Scarab have to come together on with this character and come to a common ground. Um, the Scarab has its own motivations. And so did I expect them to get into all that in this first movie? Of course not. But I did expect it to go further than just a piece of tech that has like an AI voice in its head. So would you have been more interested if they had spent more time delving into the scarab itself and where it comes from or were you happy with kind of the surface level info we got in this movie i think we probably could have got a little bit more um especially with like the relationship with the scarab and the technology that cord was trying to use for military purposes or whatever that kind of got lost for me really quickly i thought it was cool that it, okay it took over all the cells in his body um you know it, it is going to protect him 
whenever it need, whenever he needs protection, but also he can use it too whenever he wants to. And then you have like the AI voice too. So it's like, okay, now, like you said, this, this sounds like an Iron Man suit now where it would have been cooler if it would have been like maybe a more subtle voice, like uh, something like kind of like Venom maybe in a way. The voice should be in Jaime's head. Yeah. It's not like a piece of tech that talks to you like Jarvis does, like in the helmet can, like Iron Man does. Like it should be internal and he has like these internal monologues and debates and fights with the scarab and you kind of don't get any of that like there's really no arguing with the scarab in this movie and i I did kind of want that too i agree with that again like i said like trying not to be like a blue beetle fan and just watching the movie i think it works okay um but i i am with you keith that's exactly kind of where i'm at too it's just like making it like explicitly saying that it's alien in origin and then it comes down and it's just an ai voice is strange and it's no like like um i'm not shading becky g's like voice work here i thought i thought it sounded good i like the way it sounded but i'm just like yeah why did we even put like the like a robotic voice on top like whatever effect you put onto her voice work why did you do that like it would have been i think a lot better if it was just literally her voice like without any kind of robotic sound because it's like you say it's alien but like it just sounds like the helmet goes on and now he can talk to it which is weird yeah, because it should be able to talk to him whether he's in the suit or not. Yes. Which you mentioned exactly. too, Keith, because you're like, this is weird because like they, again, also show and say explicitly that like this is bonding to your body. So it's like it doesn't matter if the suit is on or not. Like, shouldn't I still be talking to it or there's still stuff going on in the movie? They, the movie says a lot of things, but then they don't really follow through with it. It's like, it's bonding to your body. You have an alien on you. And then he can only talk to it when the suit is on and it's just a robot voice. <laughs> <laughs> I do hope there's like kind of an Aquaman thing here where the first time we saw Aquaman, they were like creating air bubbles in the ocean to speak in. And then when we actually saw the real movie, they were just speaking underwater. Like, I hope the next time we see Jaime, they fix this and they make it seem more organic and more natural. Yeah. To that point, it's like, yeah, I think some of the scarab stuff doesn't work. I I did get kind of like a fun, you know, like I had I had a good time at the end whenever they do come together, despite not liking a lot of the scarab stuff. But in the third act, whenever they kind of come together to save the family, I thought that was fun. It was cute, and I enjoyed it, and I wanted to see more. But um, again, just to reiterate, we're talking about the protagonist as well. The reason this movie works is whenever the suit isn't on, uh, Sholo just does such a great job of being kind of a fish-out-of-water like protagonist. Like, kind of like, this happened to me. I don't know why this happened to me. I didn't mean for this to happen to me. This fucking sucks. This is scary. Uh, but I also, I guess, need to make use of these powers to protect the people around me. Um and all that stuff is great. And all his interactions with the family, with his friends, with uh, Jenny, for example, kind of like a burgeoning uh, like crush and love interest. Like all that stuff is so good. So it's like, yes, I did have disappointments with how the scarab was used and how like kind of their back and forth like kind of played out in particular. But at least when the suit is off, he's so good. So it kind of, I guess, softens the blow, if that makes sense. And I think even when the suit is on, the best scene in my mind in the movie was when the cord company raids his family's house and he shows up to protect them. Oh, yeah. That's where I think you really see Zola's acting ability with how emotional he gets. And it is because he's in the suit at the time. It is just kind of like the black box on his face. Um, so I liked all like, that's my favorite sequence of events because you have the father, of course, having health issues. Um, you've got the military coming in. He's trying to fight them off. I really enjoyed all that. That was like the heart of the movie scene for me. Like that's the best sequence of events I can point to in this film. Yeah. I really like that scene a lot. You guys mentioned it earlier that maybe the effects could have been better, but I would say I, I, I'm i really interested in seeing more, and I did like what we did were able to see, I guess, as far as like the abilities of the suit. 
did it compare okay to like the comics that you guys knew about previously? And then as far as the effects goes, was there any moments that did look good for you? I thought the old days were fine. Um, for like a surface level intro, I thought it was fun. I'm excited to see him kind of get more powerful and get more comfortable in the suit in the future. Um, I did think the moment with like the anime sword was pretty fun and it played well on screen. I did like the gun with that, like had like staple bolts that like kind of trapped people down. Thought that was cool. Um, beyond that, it's not like those two moments I think were the best. Everything else did feel very surface level for me. So I'm hoping they get kind of more creative with it in the future. Yeah, obviously, based on the powers they said they could do more in the future. But, you know, whether or not I was a fan, I still I'm kind of with Yuki. I, I think it looked really cool. I enjoyed what the suit can do. I liked uh, the nature of making blades that quick and the blasters and the various guns or whatever. And I'm also with Austin. I, I just there it doesn't matter what media Blue Beetles and I've, I just always love the look of like the two handguns popping up and yeah. then, like shooting. I always describe it the way you did. It's like it's almost like state like big blue staples pop out and like trap people. It just looks cool. Um so I love seeing that. Do I need to see like more in the future? I don't know. I, I was kind of happy with this. I mean, I think they can get more creative maybe in the choreography or how they use these current abilities. But um, again, it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier. I think if they just make it seem like Jaime has more control of what he's actually doing in the future, that's all I would really need. But I, I was pretty happy with the actual abilities themselves. And even though some of the visuals were goofy looking, they didn't. some of them didn't look finished or whatever it may be. I still thought a lot of the fight sequences were pretty cool. Uh, the third act obviously is very tropey. It kind of just feels like Blue Beetle. Oh, now he's fighting a Red Beetle. But um, like there, there was still some cool action moments, I thought. You know, you're still getting some cool stuff in there. So the action wasn't like a huge detractor for me by any means. Yeah, I want to jump into the scenes with Jenny uh, at Jenny's dad's house. Like, and we find out a little bit more origin of the Blue Beetle there, too. And some of this gets lost for me, too. Um, yeah. so I guess her dad this, was, this was not Blue well Beetle. explained. Yeah, I guess her dad was Blue Beetle previously because Uncle Rudy was like, Your dad was Blue Beetle? I was like, Oh, there was another one. <laughs> I didn't realize he that. was Blue Beetle, but he never was able to access the suit. So he dressed up as Blue Beetle and fought crime, but he never actually was able to unlock the suit because the suit didn't pick him. Well, that, that's kind of the weird thing when it comes to comics and like the DC lore is like in 2006 when they introduced Jaime Reyes, it's like he is Blue Beetle, but we're going to do something a bit more literal where it's like an alien scarab falls on him and it's like a, a beetle type vibe. Like Ted Cord, when he was Blue Beetle, he literally just put on a suit that, that we see in the movie. And uh, he is like, you know, using like various technology that he creates that we also see in the movie that the family uses at the end. So that was his vibe as Blue Beetle. That's how he was a superhero. So Jaime Reyes is Blue Beetle, but it's also very different where it's like, no, he has like alien tech on him. So they are connected. Like it is like a mentor mentee relationship. But like, yeah, Ted Cord was just a guy in a suit that like had like kind of like some future tech. And they tried to explain it in this movie. And yeah, so it was kind of weird. So I, it didn't bother me that it's like, oh, Ted Cord had the scare, but he couldn't open it because that's kind of how it goes in, in the stories. But it's just also like, man, this is not working in a two hour movie. <laughs> just like. Because they, they even did further. They were like, well, actually, the original Blue Beetle was this guy, Dan Garrett. And then he gave it to his student. <laughs> it's like, what? Wait, hold on. You're, you're doing this really fast. And then Uncle Rudy's like, I love Blue Beetle. And you're like, oh, OK. So, yeah, Blue Beetle was a thing. So, yeah, your mind's just fucking racing the entire time. So it wasn't enough time to really flush it out in any meaningful way. All we really need to know is that Jenny's dad disappeared. He didn't die. He's just gone for some reason. And. I don't know. And he still has a bad cave, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, this whole sequence I thought was pretty terrible. Um, it just raised more questions, too, of like, OK, if you never actually saw the suit, 
how did you model your suit after the Blue Beetle Scarab and just like weird things like that. The other thing too is the kind of fun thing about Blue Beetle, particularly when he's with the younger Justice League members, is everybody else has a mentor or or older superhero they can go to, except Jaime. Jaime is just kind of stuck with his suit. Um, So having like seeing that explored would have been more interesting if how he has like kind of nobody to train him except the suit. Um, I know that's tough to do without like other superheroes around you, but there was a lot lacking i thought in this scene and the fact that he just has like his own blue beetle cave i was like this is dumb he's like literally they're pretty much in the wayne manor like it just felt very like too close to batman for me yeah i agree i mean they did a good job of setting up Jaime to kind of be his own person right and then like this suit kind of falls into his lap and he has to deal with it and it's like how the fuck is he gonna deal with this but like he's gonna rise to the challenge because that's the kind of guy he is but then you're right. It is a bit conflicting that then he runs into Jenny Cord and it's like, well, hey, actually, I have my dad's mansion. I have access to it. And he he actually used to be a Blue Beetle. So here's all these weapons and help. And it's like, OK, I mean, I understand what you're going for, but it, it would have been kind of cool to see him kind of figure it out for himself. And maybe that kind of goes back to the issue I was talking about earlier with like the Scarab. It's like a lot of Jaime's issues in the smoothie is just the Scarab doing it for him. It seems like it's just he's a guy in a suit. And in this case, it's also like, hey, do you want to go to my papa's like blue beetle cave where here's all these like tech and these guns that will help you? It's like, oh, okay. Like it would have been nice to see him try and figure it out for himself. Yeah, there's a lot of like just leaps of convenience in this movie just to get Jaime to the next action scene. Yeah. (laughs) And the other, did you guys like the like blue beetle flying ship that like looks like something out of Watchmen? I thought that was the dumbest thing I've ever seen. (laughs) I thought it was funny that Uncle Rudy knew how to operate it. (laughs) (laughs) He's a techie guy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it did, it did remind me of Watchmen. I I don't know. I I thought it was fine. I guess it like, you know, made us, you know, get the family involved in the third act. I I didn't really care. It did look stupid though. You know, we're kind of talking a lot about like the family, whether it be kind of like the goofy scenes, the convenient scenes, or, like the action, how they get involved or whatever. But um, it sounds like a lot of people, myself included, would consider the family as a whole to be like a fun thing to focus on in a movie like this. A little bit of a different vibe, which I enjoyed. So, like, I mean, did you guys have any standout scenes when it, whether it be like emotional or funny, whatever it may be, when it came to like having, you know, Jaime is the main character, but his family, his big family around him really do play important roles. For me, no. Uh, like I said, the, <laughs> I thought the best scene was when Blue Beetle shows up to protect the family. But then when they actually like go to the island too, I was like, why are they here? Like, I get that Nana used to be a revolutionary, but like that could have been explored more. I felt like instead they just like give her a chain gun and set her loose. The only dynamic I really enjoyed was the brother sister. Like we touched on everything else. I was kind of like, uh, yawn. I mean, we get the same like Black Panther deal between Jaime and his dad where they like go to a spirit realm and he can accept himself. Like a lot of this just felt like stuff we've seen before, which is kind of disappointing too. Yeah, I would I would agree with you. The second half of the whole family aspect was kind of whatever. Uh, I did like the first half of the family though, uh, especially opening up and him becoming the Blue Beetle in front of him I thought was cool. Yeah, and when the when the director said like, this is going to be a, a superhero who's out to his family. The whole family knows about it, but like leading into the movie. I was like, that's a cool idea. Yeah. But then when they actually like took them to the final fight scene. Yeah, yeah. I, for that, I was like, this is dumb. Why are, they're just in danger. Why are they here? No, yeah, I agree with you on that. That was stupid. But yeah, I did like I did like the different take that he's out in front of his family instead of like the normal like secrecy of being a superhero. Because that does get old after a while with certain origin stories. So 
thought that was cool. Um, and then like the whole put the whole like Latin culture on it too. Like they go, they you know Latin culture is very family oriented. They go with each other everywhere. And I like that like they went with him to his uh oh, yeah. job his job interview. <laughs> so good. <laughs> I like that too. That was fun. Yeah, I mean, I hear you guys. I mean, like, you know, especially in the third act inclusion of the family, it is stupid and goofy. But I also think this movie as a whole is kind of stupid and goofy. So like I think they did a good enough job setting up like this is a close knit family. You know, Nana just lost a son, the rest of the family loses a husband and a father, and it's like, you know, they're Jaime's also now gone. We're gonna go after him. Like, is that Stupid. Yeah. But you know what? Hey, calling back to my last negative, at least we have Jenny Corden in her mansion full of guns and a ship. So you know what? We're going to load up. So now we have a way to fight back. But ultimately, I thought it was kind of fun. I, I like that stuff. And But yeah, all, all the family stuff worked. And I, I hear what you're saying. It's like, is it tropey? Is it cliche? Have we seen this all before? Yes. But it it still hit. I don't know. I, I, think, I think Austin is ultimately right. I do think the scene that really does stand out in this movie is like, Jaime's like, I got to force the suit to come on. I'm going to fly home and protect them. And like, those people are literally going there to like kill him. And he's not there. So like Susan Sarandon's like, all right, we'll kill the family. It's like, Jesus. I thought that scene was pretty emotional. His dad, like not getting shot, I guess how you would expect. And like calling back to the heart issue that he has. I, I found that to be a very emotional scene. He couldn't do anything about it as he's being pulled away. Um, and then going to like the spirit realm and the, the the blue beetle realm. It's like, yes, we've seen this exact scene before, but I still found it very, you know, emotionally impactful. And it, like it did hit me. And I, maybe it's just because you had two great actors there acting uh, beside each other. But all that stuff worked. And I'm not like trying to argue that like it isn't like roll your eyes, like cliche. But I don't know. I, I just think focusing, focusing on the family um, ultimately worked for me, even though the scenes aren't like anything like, whoa, how new. It's just I, I did find myself getting a bit emotional, like some some scenes were hitting me. So I enjoyed that stuff. And I think the reason why it stands out to me more as a negative is because the raid scene on a Latin family felt new for the superhero drama because it's kind of addressing like immigration raids on Latin families. And so that felt new and unique and that actually hit home for me. But then to follow it up with a cliche spirit scene that we've seen a million times, like took away from the impactfulness of the actual raid scene. That's fair. I could see that. I could see that. I also, I mean, the movie, I guess I will give it props because, you know, some of the scenes are, I think, are to make you laugh, but also I think to unsettle you. And I think it worked in both senses for Keith and I. But this movie does like address, I think, kind of blatant like racism from white people in particular in a pretty good way. People are calling him Jamie, even though he keeps saying what his name is. Uh, you have the uh, Harvey Gillian character playing um I think he's, I don't know what he's credited as, if he's credited as like Dr. Quote Sanchez, end quote, but like, you know, Victoria Court just keeps calling him Sanchez. It's like, Jesus, that's not my fucking name. And I keep telling you what my yeah. name is. So <laughs> some of that stuff, I think, is to make you like kind of laugh or feel uncomfortable. And I thought that was uh, some good stuff in there. So kind of to your point, Austin, it's like they are doing and tackling some uh, good issues, especially for like a genre as big as this. But you are right. Then when you kind of like follow it up with like certain like really tropey shit, it kind of makes you go maybe forget about how powerful that stuff could have been, even though it did work for me, but I hear what you're saying. It almost feels like it's not willing to let you sit with more of the harder stuff. It just wants to get you back to the fun superhero movie. Um, and I even liked when they were adjusting like gentrification and they're going to lose their home to more wealthy yeah. people and things like that. Like all that stuff I thought was like, oh, this is interesting. It's grounding. It's making me care about Jaime. 
And then we have Nana wielding a chain gun a few minutes later. So it's like, <laughs> these two don't go hand in hand. Down with the imperialist! <laughs> <laughs> Shoot this shit out of people. <laughs> uh, speaking of Susan Sarandon saying Sanchez over and over. Uh, oh my God. Let's jump into Susan Sarandon as, what's her name, Victoria? Who cares? Victoria yeah. Court, I guess. <laughs> and then you have uh, Carapax. Carapax. Carapax as her heavy. Uh, so oh, yeah, Carapax is the... Guatemalan, not refugee, but uh, he was like a soldier in Guatemala, right? That was injured, and she took him in. And- he was like forced to be a child soldier, which would have been more interesting to explore, uh, but instead they wrap it up in two minutes. They literally did. It's like, wow, <laughs> this character could have been kind of cool. I always feel like whenever you have characters that are supposed to be the heavy like that, it's like we're not supposed to know much about them. It's just that they can fight really good. We see that in so many movies, especially action movies. You got like James Bond especially comes to mind. With Dave Bautista? I mean, that's a great example of exactly what I'm talking about, yeah. <laughs> but with him, I was excited because I was like, okay, so this is a heavy, but they're going to subvert our expectations by actually giving us a backstory. And Austin is not exaggerating. It's like, we're supposed to, I guess, care about this murderer because he has a, a locket with a picture of his wife and daughter in it that they show us like once or twice. And then they give us his backstory in a very weirdly placed flashback very quickly. It's like, this is a very weird <laughs> resolution to the villain. And don't get me started on Susan Sarandon. I told Keith this the second we walked out. I was like, Susan Sarandon is one of our all-time great actresses. And we often talk Especially about- Especially for sci-fi. Oh, yeah. And we often talk about in movies where it's like, hey, you hired a great actor or actress to play a character that has nothing to them. So it's like, I really wish I could come on this podcast and say that, you know, Susan Sarandon did a great job playing a bland character. This is her worst performance she has ever given. It's like- Holy shit. There's a fucking robot AI uh, voice actor in this movie, like, you know, doing the Scarab voice. Somehow Susan Sarandon was more robotic. <laughs> She's just like, hello, like, go get me that Scarab. It's like, I feel like I'm giving more emotion right now. <laughs> it's like, Kill she them. was horrible in this movie. Jenny, your father, he was a coward. He <laughs> took this company down. <laughs> I don't think it's worth spending any more time on the villains because yeah. this is about the amount of time the movie spent developing the villains. Yeah. It's, it's everything wrong with superhero villains. It's tropey. It makes no sense. They're over the top. They're, they have no interesting backstory. You don't care about their motivations. Are you doing a Susan Sarandon impression right now? <laughs> yes. <laughs> anything to talk about here with the ending in the future? I did kind of like to your point, Austin. I like that the director talked about that his whole family knows. It also seems cool that I guess the neighborhood knows because, I mean, he's like putting the suit on and off like around the people in the neighborhood whenever they're coming for the memorial. And I thought that was kind of cool um, having their own superhero, so to speak. But I don't know. Is there anything to talk about for the ending or the future that you hope to see? I know it's kind of like a loose situation right now. I am excited that Zolo is carrying on. Um, it'll be fun to see him interact with those superheroes, even if they keep this dynamic, like keep these the side family around and you have a scene where the Justice League or something has to go get Blue Beetle and the family knows. Like I could see some fun moments there. I just hope that they do more with this character. They kind of get away from the campy nature of the story and do something more interesting. I do think you could do another Blue Beetle movie. Um, and there's plenty of material with the character that he could carry his own movie and be more interesting. I just hope we don't get like the most stereotypical tropey story again for the second time around like we did in this one. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think the whole family aspect of, of this movie worked for me for this one, but I don't need his Nana fighting people in the second one by any means. I think what? we need to see him We need to see him go on his own and, and kind of do his own thing. 
Yeah, we'll see what happens. I mean, like like I said, it's hard to say, will they do a continuation to this or do they just have them pop up? Who the hell knows? To your point earlier, Austin, it would be fun to – like a sequel, like a natural, I think, evolution would be, okay, you have this scarab. You're bonded to it now. Now you guys have like a close symbiotic relationship. But now the actual aliens of which the scarab is of the like the origin, they come looking for it or something. They come to Earth to find the blue beetle scarab, uh, which introduces like, you know, black or green beetle, whoever it may be. Uh, but that stuff could be fun. Who the hell knows? I don't know. I'm just I'm kind of with Austin. It's like even though I like this movie more, I'm just glad that it sounds like Shola will be back. Um, and yeah, I'd be down to watch a sequel or just watch him pop up in movies like here and there. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, especially with like the younger heroes. I feel like that would be like a fun dynamic in particular. So uh, I was going to say the mid credit scene did nothing for me, really had no interest in that. You don't want to see Tad? No, not really. No, <laughs> no I could have cared less because what a weird character. Every character just in this movie keeps saying, yeah, he was given the company. I guess he didn't want it. He still made weapons, though, but he's a good guy. It's like, who? what? <laughs> who, who is this guy? What is he doing? It felt like Ant-Man being stuck in the quantum realm. Like, I'm still alive. Go get my daughter. Where's my daughter? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it sucked in Ant-Man. It will suck in this too I, I don't care at all i mean is there any casting guys that they could give us that would make us go holy shit i'm changing my tune we gotta see ted cord right now who who's the actor you cast to make it work javier bardem but you might be on to something <laughs> uh, i think george clooney oh again oh wow we see him back as batman and this original blue beetle <laughs> wow actually you know what i think it should be the guy who played ernie from george lopez Holy shit, I love that guy. Okay, you're right. I'm with Keith. We got to get him back in there. Just a George Lopez like reunion is really what we're looking for. And if it has to happen in Blue Beetle 2 or 3, you know what? I'm down for it. Like I said, I hope I never see him again. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, that is our thoughts on Blue Beetle. But before we close out, guys, we got to do our Arnie's Podcast Awards, the part of our show where we take something from the project we just talked about, whether it be positive, negative, or something in between. It's just something that we think deserves specific praise so guys what are we thinking today i'm gonna give the longest elevator ride award uh and it's to the scene when jenny cord is coming down the elevator with the scarab in a burger box uh the fact that jaime can see her coming down and all the security is looking for her how'd they miss her it's the longest elevator ride i've ever seen in the movie yeah it almost felt like she got off one elevator and somehow got into another one maybe i don't know and then there's like a lot of elevator time like who designed this building i don't know I guess her father. Ted Cord, played by Javier Bardem, I hear. I'm going to give the, the Big Dump Award, and that goes to Milagro. She took her a nice little break at the house. <laughs> and <was> funny. <laughs> took her a nice little doozy. And gets fired for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I'm just going to go ahead and give my award for um, Best Actor in a Leading Role. The Oscar goes to George Lopez. <laughs> For an Arnie's Podcast Awards, I've never actually been able to commission an actual Oscar, but uh, to, to Austin's, I think, agreement, we're just going to go ahead and give the actual Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor to our friend, George Lopez. Thank you for your work, sir. We can start the campaign on our social media. We can email the Academy. We should. All right. All right. Well... Yeah. <laughs> That's worth our time. All right. Well, everybody, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit that follow button so you never miss our upcoming content. 
Also, if you wouldn't mind sharing us with a friend, we would really appreciate that to continue to grow our show. Please leave us reviews as well. Even if you want to write anything, leaving us a five-star review over an Apple podcast, Spotify, or your podcast really does help us out. At The Arnie's is our social, and thearnies.media is the website. We'll be back next Tuesday for another episode. And last week, uh, we talked about an actual good movie um, huh. in Talk To Me. It's one of the best horror movies of the year. So if you have any interest at all uh, and you want to hear us talk about that movie, be sure to go check that episode out. And lastly, we want to hear from you. So please send us a message on Instagram at the Arnie's or email us thearniesmedia at gmail.com. What did you think of Blue Beetle? Should George Lopez play the wacky uncle in every movie going forward? Anything you say, we'll read on the show and rat to it live in our latest episode. That's right, everybody. Hope you enjoyed Blue Beetle and more so that you enjoyed this episode. We'll be back next week. And full disclosure, we don't know what we're going to do next week. We don't know what the topic is yet. So you're going to have like a fun little surprise drop into a, your podcast feed. So look forward to that. We'll see you then. See you. Morbius was better than this movie. Fuck you. <laughs>